You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We always win. Come on, say we always win. Come on, say it again. We always win. Let's make it personal. I always win. We win before the storm, we win during the storm, and we win after the storm. Thank God for being a winner in Christ. Well, I'm going to do something that's going to be very interesting because Sunday I uh, shared uh, online a prophetic word that God gave me uh, on April the 8th. 2020, God spoke to me and said, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I shared that and uh, people responded to that. And, you know, I've even had uh, one testimony about God doing some wonderful things uh, in uh, an individual's business. And so uh, I'm excited about it. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched a movie and they show you the end of the movie ahead of time. They would, they would fast forward, show you the end, so you knew basically how things was going to begin to wrap up. But then they went back and began to fill in all the gaps up until the end. Well, guess what? That's what I'm doing. Sunday... This past Sunday, I shared the whole lesson on the acceptable year of the Lord, what the Spirit of God has put in my heart. But for the next four uh, episodes, this being the very first, I want us to bag back up, and then I want us to fill in some gaps and work our way back to the end. Now... There are some things I'm going to repeat, and then there are going to be some other things that time did not allow me to share on Sunday, and I think it's going to be a blessing for you. Let me ask, let me uh, make a statement here. Sometimes, uh, sometimes um, Christians don't fully understand the now or the new covenant because they don't have an understanding of the old. For example, my, my wife and I have been married for 41 years. Uh, for 41 years, my wife and I have uh, been married. And um, we have a wonderful marriage. You know, my wife is my very best friend. And God has not only blessed us in our marriage because early in our marriage, we had some challenges like young couples do. We loved each other, but didn't know how to love each other. Uh, But, you know, I look at how God has blessed us. And then I look at how we struggle also economically and financially. And then I, I look at how God has blessed us today. Well, my children, I have... Two, I have beautiful 
adult children uh, that have God has blessed me with, and they hear the testimony of how we struggle, and they know where we are now. They can see our marriage now, but they don't know that struggle days. So they hear our testimony, but because they haven't uh, experienced it, or we're not there, they were little kids, they don't know the marital issues we had. They don't know the financial challenges we had. They only know now. I said that to say this. A lot of times Christians, they know what the New Testament says, but they don't have history. And because they don't have history, they don't fully appreciate the new. Now, my wife and I, we appreciate our relationship today because we know where we've come from. We appreciate where we are financially because we know where we, we've come from. I'm saying that to say that I've gotta, we've got to get some history about the acceptable year of the Lord so that we can fully appreciate the prophetic word that God is saying to us today. So I pray that I don't bore you with the history, but the history is critical. It is a critical connection to understanding what Jesus was saying over in Luke chapter four and what I said Sunday. So we're talking about the acceptable year of the Lord, and this will be the first of four lessons. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm going to read the first two verses from the authorized, the new king, the authorized translation of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. It says, the spirit of the Lord, and Isaiah is prophesying here. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. And then verse two, and the authorized King James Version says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, we're going to come back to this text in our second episode. But what I wanted you to see today is that this term, the acceptable year of the Lord, is mentioned first in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2, the acceptable year of the Lord. So when I did my study on it, I realized that the acceptable year of the Lord is a reference to the year of Jubilee that we're going to look at in a moment in Leviticus chapter 25. But I also studied this word acceptable out in uh, Isaiah 61 2. And the word acceptable means to pay off. And I thought that was very interesting. It means to pay off, but it also means to satisfy a debt to satisfy a debt. And then thirdly, this word acceptable in Isaiah 61 verse 2 means favor. It means favor. So that got me to thinking because 
We, we talked a lot about debt cancellation and, and how our debts are canceled, but we need to go back in the old covenant and to understand God's thoughts and God's attitude about debt. So I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, and this time I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, and then verses 4 and 6, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. We're talking history now. We're talking, okay, what is God's attitude about debt, and, and why did he instigate this acceptable year of the Lord. Now listen to what it says in the New Living Translation, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, verse 4 and verse 6. So listen to what it says. <clears throat> God says, at the end of every seventh year, he's writing to his people, at the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. Every seven years, God instructed his people to cancel the debts of everyone who owed them money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or their relatives for the Lord's time of release has arrived. Now look at verse 4. Verse 4 in the New Living Translation, same chapter, verse chapter 15 of Deuteronomy. It says, there shall be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he has given you as a special possession. Now verse 6. The Lord your God will bless you as he's promised. You will lend money to many nations, but will never need to borrow. You will rule many nations, but they will not rule over you. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit so that we can work our way to the acceptable year of the Lord <coughs> which has to do with debt cancellation. And let's understand God's attitude about debt and poverty. The first thing that we learn from Deuteronomy chapter 15 is that God did not want his people to experience poverty. He did not want his people. And I submit to you today that God doesn't want his people today. Believers, he does not want you to experience poverty. The second thing that we get from the text is that God wanted his people, Israel, to be lenders and not borrowers. Well, it's obvious that uh, borrowing is not a sin because if borrowing was a sin, then it would be wrong to lend. But God wanted his people to be lenders and not borrowers because, as we're going to see, the borrower becomes a servant of the lender. Well, I submit to you that that is still God's will even today. Because God 
would not want more for his servants, Israel, than he wants for his children, believers, Christians. Third thing I want you to notice that because God did not want his people in poverty and he did not want them to be borrowers, the scripture says that he instituted a system of release from debts every seven years. Every seven years, every Hebrew will have to release other Hebrews of debts every seven years. You know, the Jewish calendar is based off a series of sevens. Work six days, God says, rest the seventh day. So God instituted a seven-year system of release whereby every Hebrew would be released from debt every seven years, and the seventh year would be a year of rest. And we'll talk about that in a moment. After seven cycles of seven, seven times seven, six years, seven year uh, release, six years, seventh year release, six years, seven year release. Well, seven cycles of that would be 49 years. It would be a year of release, but the 50th year would be the year of Jubilee. And then scholars believe that both this, this 49th year and the 50th year coincided with one another. Now listen to this. So the year of Jubilee took place every 50 years on the Day of Atonement. Say atonement. Come on, say atonement. I know we're talking history, but listen, you got to understand something about history. Now listen at this. The year of Jubilee took place at the end of the celebration of atonement. Now, here's some homework that I want you to do. I don't have time in this lesson to turn to Leviticus chapter 16, but I want you to do your homework. I want you to look up Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15 through 21. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15 through 21, verse 30 and, ver and verse 34. Leviticus 16, verse 15 through 21, verse 30 and verse 34. You'll find a, a, the oversight of the Day of Atonement. Now listen at this. The Day of Atonement, listen very carefully now, was an Old Testament type. An Old Testament type and shadow was a person, place, or thing in the Old Testament that foreshadowed something more important in the New Testament. So this feast, this celebration of the the uh the Day of Atonement is a type of Calvary, and it is a type of the resurrection. Now listen to me carefully. On the Day of Atonement that took place once a year, come on, say once a year, the people of Israel would fast, and they would pray, and they would repent. The high priest would kill a bull for himself, take the blood into the Holy of Holies, and pour it over the mercy seat, 
so that his sins would be cleansed for a year because he couldn't operate on behalf of the people until he had his sins covered. Then he would come back and then he would kill a goat. There were two goats. He would kill one goat on behalf of the people, take the blood of that goat, take it into the Holy of Holies, and that blood of that goat would be poured on the mercy seat, and it would cover the sins of the people of Israel for a year. Now, once he came back out, there was a second goat called the scapegoat. He would put his hands on the scapegoat, symbolically transferring the sins of the people to the goat. Then he would take that goat out into the wilderness, let that goat to never return. That was a type of Jesus Christ taking away our sins. So one goat was a type of Jesus shed blood. The other goat, the scapegoat, was a type of Jesus taking away our sins. Now listen carefully. There could be no jubilee before there was atonement. In other words, forgiveness had to precede blessing. Now, now remember, this is a type. There had to be shedding of blood and there had to be forgiveness. Once the people's sin was covered for a year, then God would pronounce jubilee blessings to flow. So the order was always Forgiveness first, then blessing. Shedding of blood, then blessing. Are you getting this? Because understanding the old help us to, to understand the new. Because the old was a, shape, a, a type and a shadow. Think for it. What is a shadow? A shadow is a reflected image. A shadow is not the person. I, I, I'm putting my hand over this table and I can see my shadow. The shadow is a reflection of my hand, but the shadow is not my hand. My hand is more important than the shadow. So the day of atonement was just a shadow of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. The, what happened in Israel in the shadow couldn't be more important than what happened on Calvary and the resurrection. I hope you're following me now. Now, listen. The year of Jubilee, and this is something that I said Sunday, the year of Jubilee was a year of universal release of persons and property. The year of Jubilee was like a Super Bowl. Now, if you are into football and, and if you understand NFL football, there are always conference championships that lead up to the Super Bowl. The conference championships were great, but the Super Bowl is the greatest. Well, every seven years, debts were released, which was great, like a conference championship. But on the day of Jubilee, there was a Super Bowl because it wasn't just about debts. It was also about people. It was about property. It was about a lot of different things. The year of G Jubilee was a chance to reset and start over 
based on God's provision. Reset, start over, based on God's provision. Reset, start over, based on God's provision. I want you to listen to me very carefully now. God knew that, that people needed to reset. They needed a chance to start over. And God instituted a system for people to reset and start over. Let me ask you a question. Do, do, you, need a, do you need an opportunity to reset? Do you need an opportunity to start over? Maybe, maybe you made some bad decisions. Maybe you made some poor decisions. Maybe it was just some decisions outside of your control. It just worked that way. Maybe you went through a divorce and all the debts just fell on you. Maybe it wasn't even debts that you even incurred through any decision making. So it could have been bad decisions. It could have been somebody you were connected to that made bad decisions. It could have been a lot of things. People need an opportunity to reset. People need an opportunity to start over. Isn't that what the new birth is all about? Isn't that an opportunity when I get born again? Isn't it an opportunity? All the bad decisions, all the sins I commit, God gives me, you, an opportunity to reset and start over. Now, that's spiritually. I am saying that God is equally concerned about you having an opportunity economically to reset and start over. That's what this thing is all about. It's God giving us an opportunity to reset and start over. You say he want me to start over even if I made a bad decision, even if you made a bad decision. God wants you to have an opportunity to reset and start over. For the nation of Israel, the year of Jubilee was God's way of keeping people free from slavery and from debt. Slavery and debt. Think about it. This was an Old Testament type. This was not the real, this was not the substance. It was pointing to something greater. God never wanted his people to be enslaved to anything. He never wanted them to be enslaved to drugs, to alcohol, to sin, enslaved to habits, addictions. He never wants his people to be enslaved to people, enslaved in relationships. And he doesn't want us to be enslaved to debt. Because slavery, debt slavery can be just as oppressive as any kind. So what I'm trying to get you to see, when we talk history now, remember the history is pointing to something greater. You have to keep that in your mind. Now let's look at the year of Jubilee in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 9 through 13. Leviticus 25, verse 9 through 13. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it in the I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Leviticus 25 verse 9 through 13 and then we're going to look at verse 20 and 21. It says in verse 9, then on the day of atonement in the 50th year, 
blow the ram's horn loud, so throughout the land set the year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom. Come on, say freedom. A time to proclaim freedom. Now, remember, this is an Old Testament type. It points to something greater. He said, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. This 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own and don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It will be a jubilee year for you and you must keep it holy and you may eat whatever the land produce on it produces on its own. In the year of jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. Now I want to read verses 20 and 21. I did not read this text when I share Sunday, but Listen at verse 20. But you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year? Remember, the seventh year, they couldn't work. They couldn't uh, work. The, they couldn't uh, do anything. What shall we eat during the seventh year since we're not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured that I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year so that the land will produce crops large enough for three years. Now remember that. Now remember that. Now let's let's review some things that we said. And it's gonna, and then I want you to get the historical context. In the Old Testament, when you owed a debt, you couldn't play, pay, you literally became a servant of the person you owed and you lost control of your property and other assets until the debt was paid. The year of Jubilee was a year of release. Come on, say that. The year of Jubilee was a year of release. Number one, it was a release of people. All slaves were freed. All slaves. And all debt-induced servanthood ended. In other words, there were some Hebrews that were in debt because they were in slavery or servanthood because they couldn't pay their debts. The year Jubilee, secondly, was a release of lands. All lands, any person lost because of debt, and especially those family inheritance, was restored. When God went into the uh, promised land, he allocated land to each tribe. He wanted the land to stay in those families, stay in those tribes. But because of debt, people oftentimes mortgage their land, mortgage their vineyards, mortgage their properties and the, because of debt. Year of Jubilee was a release of land. And then thirdly, the year of Jubilee was a re release of debts. So all debts, mortgages were canceled. All debts and mortgages were canceled. Now listen at this. Everyone was given a fresh start in business. 
Now, let's talk to our business people. Everyone was given a fresh start in business. I'm going to say that again. Everyone was given a fresh start in business. Are you a business owner? And maybe your, your, your business has thrived, and maybe this stay-at-home ordinance has really thrown things out of whack for you. It's hindered your revenue and hindered your profits. Or maybe you've failed at business, or maybe you've gone through bankruptcy in business, or maybe you tried, but it just did not work out for you. The year of Jubilee, everyone, everyone was given a fresh start in business. Now, I, I, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, that's why I'm taking the time to try to give you the historical context so that you can release your faith, even if you're, if you're a business owner, you can release your faith that no matter where you are now, where you were in the past, what happened in your past, God is willing to give you a fresh start in business. God is going to help you. I know, I know that you have your faith on a stimulus from the government. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm like this. I'm like this. God can bless me any way he wants to. I'm open to it. If God wants to use the government, I'm open to it. If God wants to use people, I'm open to it. Whatever God wants to do, then I am open to God. So, Maybe you're praying for a stimulus package to, to come toward small business people. I agree with you. I stand in agreement with you. But I'm telling you that that's just one of the channels that God wants to use. God is not limited to the government and to a stimulus package. God has all kinds of way to jumpstart your business. I want you to expand your thinking. See that stimulus is just an avenue. See it is just a channel. Don't see it as the source. Do not see it as the source. Now that's true on an individual level. Do not see government. Do not see agents. Don't see nobody as your source. Think of these individuals, entities, organizations, government as simply a channel. Keep your focus on God because God is your source and you're going to Make it business owner. Watch your confession. Watch your words. Don't put your words out there. Don't start talking. You're not going to make it. You may have to shut down and you're going to close and you're going to load. No, I speak growth over you. I speak increase over you and I speak no loss. Now, listen at this. There was a complete overhaul of the economy a balancing of the economic system. Now, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I'm telling you, I'm speaking prophetically. I don't know how God is going to do it. All I know is that the economy is in 
a funk. I don't know if that's a good thing for me to say like that. The government, the economy is in bad shape right now. Just bad shape. But God can overhaul it. I believe that with all my, I believe that God works best in dark situations. We're light. We're salt. We're light. God operates best in dark times. And I'm telling you, God is going to do something very supernatural in this economy. And if you have your faith out there, God is going to do something very special for you. I want you to mark it down. I want you to write it. I want you to date it. I want you to put it somewhere in your journal. But I'm telling you, God is going to do something supernatural. In the day of Jubilee, on the day of Jubilee, no one was excluded from this great release. Only requirement, one requirement was necessary, and that requirement was that you be a resident. Listen, social status didn't matter, color didn't matter, race didn't matter, gender didn't matter, financial position didn't matter. Listen, it did not matter. Now listen to me. The year of Jubilee was... God's way, listen carefully now, of not allowing the land to be exploited to the enrichment of some and to the impoverishment of others. See, there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on, and some of it wasn't fair some of it wasn't. So, so God wanted to make sure that some would not be impoverished through the land while others was enriched. In other words, the underlining principle of Jubilee, listen to me, the underlining principle of Jubilee is that the land belonged to the Lord. Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is God's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says that the silver and the gold belongs to God. The Bible says the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. The underlining principle, the underlining principle was that the land belonged to the Lord and that men were simply tenants at will. They were tenants at God's will. They didn't own it. God owns it. So don't think, don't think for a moment that God cannot shift things because the land belongs to him. God can shift things. Remember, now remember, you remember, remember when God told Israel that I, I have given you the land over in Numbers 13, and he says, now you got to go and possess it. There were people, Hittites, Jebusites, whatever kind of Ikes, that were possessing the land, 
but it wasn't theirs. It was God's. And God said, I'm giving it to you, Israel. Now you got to go and possess it. Just because somebody else was possessing it did not mean it was theirs. You got to keep that in mind. You got to keep that in mind that the land belonged to the Lord, the earth belonged to the Lord, the silver and the gold belongs to the Lord, and that we, all of us, are possessors. We are not owners. Now, listen at this. Jubilee was about cancellation of debt. Jubilee was about restoration of community because some people had lost their children. And then Jubilee was about freedom from debt bondage, freedom from debt bondage. Now, I want I want to I want to I want to close now by talking about the keynote of Jubilee. The what? The keynotes of Jubilee. The keynotes of Jubilee. The keynotes of Jubilee. The keynotes of Jubilee are joy, faith, rest. Joy, faith, rest. Now, when the trumpet blowed on the day of Jubilee, the people rejoiced. They rejoiced before everything took place. I believe I believe that believers right now in this setting with unemployment high, food shortages, stay-at-home orders, I believe that it's God's will for us to rejoice to joy in God. Now we're not joy, we're not getting happy and joyful about people dying, about people being unemployed. No, 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 no. We're rejoicing in what the word says. Because you and I know, believers, we know that Jubilee in the old covenant was a type and a shadow of something greater in our lives. And we rejoice that we're in this year of Jubilee. Now, listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. For you and I, believers, it's not the year of the coronavirus. And we should never say, Oh, I tell you, we're going to remember 2020. We're going to remember that year. It's going to be the year of the coronavirus. Now, with that confession, you are agreeing with the enemy. No, what you should begin to say and begin to confess that this year is the year of my jubilee. You should begin to rejoice in this year. Got it? Joy, joy. The second keynote of Jubilee is faith. Faith. They had to be a people of faith. Faith. Come on, say faith. Come on, say faith. Watch this. Each cycle, six years, seventh year, rest. On that seventh year, 
of rest, the land had to rest, and they had to rest. They couldn't farm the land. They couldn't sow seed. They couldn't harvest. They had to depend on God and the spontaneous yield of the land without their efforts, without their efforts. They had to trust God to supply their need on that seventh year. Now watch this. The 49th year also was a year of rest. But remember, the 50th year came right behind the 49th year. So you had two years right by each other, connected to each other. And they had to not plant, not harvest, not sell crops. The land had to rest. They had to rest. The animals had to rest. The slaves, everything. There was rest. There was no working. And notice if it's the 49th year and then the 50th year and then the 51st year, they had to sow, but they had to wait most of that year for the crops to come in. That's why God said, I'm going to give you in the 48th year enough harvest for three years. Now, they had to believe that. They had to believe that. And I'm saying to you that we in this time have to believe that God will provide for us. It's a faith thing. It is a faith thing. We got to believe. And then thirdly, it was a year of rest. I said it earlier. Everybody had to rest. No working, no sowing, no harvesting, no selling. It was rest. God wanted people to work six days and rest. He wanted them to work six years and rest. He wanted them to rest on the 49th year, rest on the, on the 50th year. Now, I tell you something that I, I, I want to close with. I think that we are a people of work. I think we are people of work. I think, I, think, I think it's hard for us to rest. I think God is speaking to us, even during this time, to do some resting. But, but a lot of us, we, 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 we got we to gotta be doing something. We got to make it happen. See, we got we to gotta make it happen. We, we got to make it happen. So we got to put out, and it's hard for us to rest in God. It's hard for us to trust God. We just feel like we have to be doing something. We just got to be doing something all the time. Don't, and really, a lot of times, we really believe that it's the works, it's what we do that calls us to win in life. And so now we're almost forced to rest and we're almost forced to trust him. Some of us need to rest physically because you're a workaholic. You work all the time. It's hard for you to even spend time with your family, spend time with your kids, spend time. you restless. And now you got more time to spend with your spouse, more time to spend with your kid. But you restless because you're so used to working all the time, working all the time. And then the rest of us, we need to rest spiritually. Listen to what the Bible says, and I'll close here. In Hebrews 4, verse 10, 
the authorized King James, it says, for he that is entered into his rest also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Rest. See, right now, what I believe God is calling us to, and I believe what Jubilee is about, listen carefully, Jubilee is now not about you working. Jubilee is about you trusting. It's about you believing. And you know what I want to say? I want to say that God can do more through your trust than you can do through your hands. Oh, that's good. God can do more through your trusting him than you can do for yourself through the, your hands. I'm going to say it one more time. God can do more for you through your trusting him than you can do for yourself through the works of your hands. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say that one more time. God can do more for you. God can do more for you through your trusting him than you can do for you through the works of your hand. Oh, I just feel like I need to say that again. God can do more for you through you trusting him than you can do for yourself through the works of your hands. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And this is why history is so important. And I want you to go back and listen to this. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through comfort and patience of the Scriptures might have hope. In other words, the things that we see in this Old Testament, these types and shadows, the Day of Atonement was written for us to learn something. And now, even in our situation, uh, through patience and comfort, we can have hope because we know atonement and jubilee was not just for Israel. It was for us. And we have a better covenant. Our sins are not washed away for a year. The Bible says Jesus, through one offering, perfected forever those who are sanctified. I hope this was a blessing to you. Listen, I want to say this. I want to share with you what we, where we're going in episode two. Episode two, we're going to look at Luke chapter four. When Jesus came and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. We're going to talk about that. We're going, we're going to explain what he was saying. But then we're going to see that they rejected him. We're going to see why they rejected him. But also, we're going to get into some of these questions like people saying, is this the last time? Are we in the last days? Is God judging his people? You know, I hear a lot of people saying that this is God's judgment, that God's judging us and God is judging us. I submit to you and I'll show you for the, from the scriptures. This ain't about judgment. This is not the season for judgment. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Thank you. I trust that you were blessed through uh, the lessons today.